Welcome to the Fandom Meta Show with your host, Anthony Ergo, aka Ruin the Man Baby. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fandom Meta Show. And in today's podcast, we have another valued member of the Fandom Menace. He's an Aussie. He has that distinctive Aussie accent. So you're going to have a bit of British and a bit of Aussie in uh, today's episode. And he's a man who goes by the name of Lethal Lightning. Lethal, welcome to the Fandom Menace Show. G'day, Ruin. G'day, mate. How are you doing? Not too well, bad, look. Mate. I'm I'm really glad that we we got to have you on, um, and and I want to start actually by saying thank you because about must be six seven months ago now when I had the whole Doxon situation come about, you and Drunk Three PO were kind enough to respond to that. You're one of the first to respond to it, and you did um, a bit of a live stream on it, and you really called out Brian Young for the stunts he was pulling. So I just want I said it at the time, but I just want to say it again. You know, thank you for, for having my back on that. Oh, not a problem at all. Um, Freepio, I had him lined up to come on a live stream with me, and he came in about half an hour early, and he was like, look, I want to ask you something. And then uh, he broke down what happened, and he said, I'm thinking about, you know, doing a stream, but I'm a bit worried, you know, we'll get they'll come at us for this. And I was like, dude, if you do it, I'll come on with you, and we'll just go hammer and tongs on them, and that was what we did. <laughs> yeah, no, I really appreciated that. I mean, no I know problem. most people who are listening will be familiar with it, but for those who aren't, uh, it was a situation about six, seven months ago. I was happily tweeting away as uh, Ruin Johnson anonymously, and um, yeah, Brian Young decided it was all too much for his uh, his fragile ego, and he yeah he tried to reveal my identity well he did and uh went a bit further than that he contacted a former employer and it all got a bit nasty but in the end i just ran with it and uh released the video almost self-doxing and uh yeah very very proud to uh to reveal the man behind the mask of ruin the man baby but yeah you, you and drunk were, were really kind in uh, in your support and yeah and, and on that actually i want to get straight into some stuff going on uh, within the fandom at the moment because I know you'll be a really good guy to speak to about it because you kind of got your finger on the pulse. Whenever I see these tweets, I always see you in the replies and you've also got these really <laughs> cool, snappy responses. So the one I want to talk about is actually one very current, happened within the last 24 hours at the time of recording. It was a tweet okay. by Adam Lance Garcia and you'll know what I'm talking about straight away. Yeah, I do know, actually. I'm just going to bring <laughs> it up myself now. Yeah, let's do that. So I'll, I'll read it out because... Um, it was really the most ridiculous tweet. I mean, what I'll what I'll say first of all is, I actually find Adam one of the more, or I, I did until recently anyway, one of the more slightly bearable shills because he never blocked. You know, the, the fair the fair play to Adam, he, he didn't block. Unlike most of them who use blockchains and so on, you know, he'd at least engage. I mean, the guy is, you know. He'd admit it himself. He's a he's a one hundred percent shill. He's always in the mentions of Ryan Johnson and Pablo and all the rest of them. But he, he, just recently, he's he's kind of stopped engaging. You know, he stopped responding. Maybe he's been given his orders from uh, those within that side of the fandom that uh, that they, they can't consider alternative opinions. And then he came out with this tweet, and I'll I'll just read it. And and again, many people listening to the show who are on Twitter will will be familiar with it. Currently, it's got about 900 retweets and maybe 5,000 likes. So he, he's got a lot of traction from it. But basically, he's he, he put out a tweet and he's 
He's punctuated every word, which in itself is re really annoying with the oh. hand clap emoji <laughs> as if <laughs> that somehow reinforces his point. And his tweet says this. It says, Luke hand clap was hand clap. <laughs> and I won't, I won't mention all the other hand claps. Luke was never trained to fly an X-ring, use a force pull, do a do lightsaber combat, do uh, a force choke, build a lightsaber, and then in capitals... And it doesn't matter because this is a story about space wizards intended for children. And I just shook my head when I read that. And yours was one of the replies I actually had a, got a bit of a kick out of because you really called them out on that one. But I mean, what, what did you make of that when you when you read that tweet? Um, did he even see the movies, like the original ones? Has he actually seen them? You have to ask that question, don't you? Because uh, I know Itchy back, I, I posted his response as well because he put together a really good, as he always does, really good blog yeah, response to it. But you're right, everything, the point he's making, we know why he's making it. He knew in making that point, he'd get a lot of retweets and likes from all the Raylos and all the, the sequel uh, defenders and apologists. And they often do do this by somehow making a dig at the originals and you you have to question a you're right has he even watched the movies and b why does he hate the originals so much but we we can dismantle this very easily so <laughs> your, your tweet was hilarious i don't know if i can read it out in full because apple may well pull my podcast <laughs> but you made the point uh specifically picking him up on on his line about it's a a, a movie for children you picked them up on the points. Well, there is a bit of a situation with Lando and robots. Let's just <laughs> call the... him Pando. I think that sums it up. Pando, exactly. And there's you look, there's many other uh, scenes in Star Wars where you've got various limbs being chopped off. You've got people being killed. You've got the scorched bodies of Aunt Beru and uh, Uncle Owen. It, it's yeah. it's not a children's movie. It may have been intended for children. I know that was George's original intention but it's for everyone and uh yeah. that that's a daft argument as it is but let's let's just go at them one at a time so he says luke was never trained to fly an x-wing what do you think about that oh it's not that much different to his t-16 um yeah, targeting exactly. one brats back home exactly and this is set up in the original movie and if you've watched it and i'm you know, for someone who's such a biggest shill for, for star wars you'd think you'd have watched that it's set up perfectly right from the introduction of luke and it's referenced multiple times, uh, so that's a complete misnomer. Then he says Luke was never trained to do a force pull. Uh, he was on the Falcon training with Obi-Wan Kenobi on the way to Alderaan. He, there, was, there was this movie, um, our good friend, well, maybe you, Ruin, uh, you didn't particularly like this one called Empire Strikes Back, <laughs> but uh, he, he meets up with Yoda, who, believe it or not, was a Jedi Grand Master, in fact, Probably one of the best Jedi Grandmaster to ever exist. And you know what he did with him? Trained. Training. What is this concept of training? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I mean, we, we see it with, with Obi-Wan. We see it in Empire with Yoda. And there's also the passage of time. There's the passage yes. of time between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Um, there's a clear passage of time. And there's a clear development of the character of Luke that person he is in the final scene of empire is completely different in terms of his powers and his, his level of training and everything than the character we see in return of the jedi so that is is clearly referenced in the films so yeah and then there's other points again we can use that in arguments he, he wasn't trained to do lightsaber combat 
he, he was clearly trained to do that. He was he was being trained in the first film by Obi Wan. He wasn't trained to do a force choke. Now the the force choke features in Return of the Jedi, doesn't it? It's uh, yes. Jabba's palace. Memorian guard. Yep, that's the scene. But again, we've got that passage of time, and we've got Luke as this kind of dark cloaked Jedi master. And we've had this passage of time, and we know he's he's had training from um, Ben Kenobi. We know he's had training from from Yoda, and we know he's spent time in the intervening period mastering these techniques. So it just doesn't wash. And then building a lightsaber. <sighs> well, even if we want to go by a Disney canon, something that Adam's a big fan of, <laughs> then he should know that. Well, he went back to uh, your Luke went back to uh, old Ben's home. Um, and found out how to construct a lightsaber from there. there That's what happened in Disney. So so that tweet, which again is doing the rounds, it's got a lot of attention. Maybe it was put out there to, to wind us up, but uh, yeah, it just it really exposes some of these arguments made by the other side of the fandom as uh, really shallow and really pathetic. And then the last thing that really got to me, and this is me as a, an author of several children's books, and yeah. we see this com- this argument made a lot, and I'm sure you've seen it. I know you have, where it, Star Wars is kind of dismissed as being a, a children's movie. I think Chuck Wendig's made the same argument, even though he's employed by Lucasfilm and various other people have made it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, so as a children's author, you've actually got to work so much harder to capture the imagination of children and to maintain that. You know, it's almost as though they think, oh, well, if it's just for children, then you don't have to think about the science or the logic or writing fully developed characters or writing a plot which makes sense. Actually, it's the opposite. You've got to work so much harder to to grab their interest and to keep their interest and and to engage them. And maybe that's where Disney are going wrong. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think you are right. Um, It just reminded me of about this time last year, I was at a convention. And I went in there because Timothy Zahn was there. Um, uh, you know, yeah, he's a, an actual fantastic Star Wars author. Did a yeah. lot of EU stuff. He's done some new canon stuff as well. And in his seminar, he was uh, talking about uh, Star Wars in particular. And he said, well, something like Star Wars because it kind of blurs the lines between science fiction and science fantasy. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, in something like that, there is established rules within the universe that as a writer – you must abide by. And that means, like, you know, for example, like you go for like Star Wars fact files, you know, there's science, fantasy science, mind you, that breaks down how things work, how an X Wing flies, how a lightsaber ignites, how an E 11 blaster fires, you know, so you got to play by the rules. So I, that's a mm. pretty hard concept for a child to understand. It has to make sense, doesn't it? It has to, it has to be credible and it has to make sense. And we know we acknowledge it, it it's fantasy. But, you know, it's some of the things that Disney are putting out on screen just doesn't make sense. And, uh, you know, I, th- I, I think The Last Jedi, you know, and, and certain things have since been explained in some of the books, which I never think is a great way of, of, of explaining the movie. The thing you know, with I, a book is that it's okay, a novelization of a movie. All right. Um, the Revenge, I don't know if you've read it, but The Revenge of the Sith novelization is the best novelization of a movie I've ever read across any franchise. Right, but when it comes okay. to a novelization of a movie, they're not there to fix a movie or explain a movie. They're there to expand or enhance a movie, go into more yep. detail and stuff, but it will never Absolutely. actually 
fix something because that's not the point of the book. The book's to tell the story you already know, but because it's a book, you know, we can touch on some things that, you know, as a movie can only really gloss over. You know, we can go more in depth of that. You can get more um, of an idea of what characters as individuals are thinking at any specific moment, but you can't outright just be like, oh, well, this doesn't make sense. Let's just come up with a whole chapter that um, fixes that. That's not what they're there for. Yeah, that, you, you're completely right. And I haven't read that Revenge of the Sith one, so I'll add that to I my know. read list. Yeah, I mean, we we were talking just before we went live on the podcast about uh, the EU and how I've just started reading the first in the Throne trilogy, and I'm really enjoying it. And actually, that was recommended to me by my very first podcast guest, uh, Matthew Kadish. So yeah. I am just delving into the expanded universe, and I am really enjoying what I'm reading. And you're right, Timothy Zahn, very gifted writer, and yeah, he's, he seems to have got the characters absolutely perfect. You know, it, they just leap from the page and it's the characters I know. It's the characters I know from original Star Wars. So I know you're a big EU fan. So, you know, if you were someone like me who's just starting to get into you, other than the Throne trilogy, you know, you've mentioned the uh, Revenge of the Sith novelization. What are other good starting points or other highlights of, of the EU, which has obviously since been decanonized by Disney? Uh, well, for starting points, I would every single time I would say uh, Thrawn trilogy. Truce at Bakura is also a really important one, but I feel when you're just starting, you can kind of glance over it. But I think the best thing to do is to ask yourself, what elements do you like from Star Wars? Mm. Uh, do you want to go like, are you just like, oh, I, I keep hearing this Revan dude's pretty interesting. You know, you can go check out some Old Republic comics, the novels and that, the video games, what have you. Or maybe you're just totally fascinated by how exactly did everything start and you want to go way, 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 way back to the beginning of the timeline. Maybe you want to know more about um, the Sith the Sith leading up to Palpatine and, you know, the rule of two. So you're like, okay, I'll get some Darth Bane into me. Or maybe you just be like, well, I want to know what happened to Luke after Return of the Jedi. And then you just go from there. Or, or maybe you've played a video game and you're like, I really like this game. You know, what else is happening around this time frame of these characters? You know, you just got to pinpoint what it is that interests you. And from there, you will find yourself expanding out and touching into more stuff because more stuff will appeal to you. But just find what what interests you and start there. Awesome. Good tip. Thank you, man. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm really enjoying Thrawn. I've got a few other things lined up, but yeah, I want to get through that trilogy first of all. But it's great. It's great that I've got all this new material which i can delve into because obviously the disney stuff just isn't quite doing it for me at the moment and then oh, i yeah. just want to mention the avatar that you've you're using at the moment uh it's uh, it's a character uh, jason solo but tell us about this character his origins and you know his, his references in disney movies and so on okay well uh in the book you're reading um maybe it's not in the very first one it's been a while since i read it but leia is pregnant with yes. twins uh the twins are jana and jason solo okay uh, eventually they'll have three children the next one would be anakin skywalker so jason being the essentially ben solo is a ripoff of jason solo mm. except in a really condensed watered way they just took his basic plot line and i do mean basic plot line from what is my favorite series in star wars called the legacy of the force and they just took like the bare minimum of that and made that into Kylo Ren. But what happens is Jason Solo, he goes through his life, you know, Luke Skywalker rebuilds the Jedi, 
Um, I believe, yeah, that actually does happen in um, EU. We actually get a new generation of Jedi. Wow. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> what a crazy concept. <laughs> and then, so all, uh, you know, I don't want to go too deep into it because this will go on for hours. But, you know, he lives his whole life, you know, crazy stuff happens in the EU. You know, we've got intergalactic invasions. We've got um, all sorts of amazing stuff that happens. Some a bit, eh, stuff. But eventually, Jason Solo does go to the dark side. And the picture I have at the moment is him when he's a full, full-blooded full Sith. or well, not full-blooded because they're actually a species, but like, you know what I mean? Like he's really yeah. tapped into dark side. He's got his Sith eyes and everything, and he takes the name Darth Kytus. Now, um, wow. I always forget this, but Kytus is actually, or, or, or like a version of the word Kytus is a Latin word, and it means like a self-sacrifice, which is kind of a spoiler of his character, but it's what his character is all about. His character is the 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 needs of many outweigh the needs of few he's the guy that's prepared to do the most horrible atrocious things for the sake of the galaxy like he's the dude like that will set half the galaxy on fire if the other half can live happy you know, he's kind of mm. like a fanos in that regard you know yeah. if, if, if he has to kill a hundred people so that means a thousand people will live to him that's a he's prepared to do that but essentially Kylo Ren's just a rip off of him in the worst possible way but that was something for me when I was watching Force Awakens for the first time in the cinema. Every single time, you know, when they revealed that Kylo was the son of Han and Leia, I was sitting down going, no, no. no. <laughs> and mind you, I did like the Force Awakens. But that was the something that kept standing out to me. I was going, that's just because uh, because it's so clear what it's a ripoff of. It's hard not to make the comparison. And whenever yeah. you do make the comparison, Kylo just falls short on everything. Wow, that's interesting. Even even the name, obviously, there's obvious similarities in in the the name, and yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, do you think Disney would have would have been better served rather than just drawing a line through the EU and saying, right, we're decanonizing that, and we are moving forward with our own scripts and and storylines and so on? Do you think they? They would have been better said to say, well, look, we've got some fantastic source material here. Why don't we delve into that and use it? They could have. One thing that's said quite a bit within the EU community, um, big shout out to Callum Johns, this is he told me this one, was, okay, there's a book in the EU called Crucible, and essentially it's, you know, the big three, Han, Luke, Leia, and they're all old, like old. And it's kind of like them stepping down. They're going like, you know, I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> and then, um, you could take Disney could have incorporated the entire expanded universe, and all they had to do was take their sequel trilogy and set it after that book, and they have a whole wide open, you know, a playground of a timeline to do whatever they want. But instead, they decided to throw everything in the bin, which is mm. stupid. Now, the reason why they did that is because they wanted to do their own original things. But in the first movie they bring out, you're going, well, you're just ripping off characters already. You're bringing back Thrawn. You know, this is something that does my head in as an EU fan. It's like, if you're going to throw everything in the bin so you can do your own thing, then do your own thing. Stop incorporating these characters that you decided were no good. You know, you, you stop stop bringing in whole eras because they're talking about doing this Old Republic stuff. You go, well, that's not your own thing. But yeah. if, if they really wanted to mix and match they could, but it would take a fair bit of planning. So that's something they're not very good at. But you could sit down, get a whole group of people, collaborate, you know, not like 
not like Ryan and JJ, you know, actually collaborate. And you could, and this is something Timothy Zahn said as well. He said, you know, if they really wanted to and they dedicated the time, they could have cherry picked the EU elements that they wanted. Yeah. And still build their way around that and still have quite a bit of creative freedom. But there's so many things they could have done better. Like, I feel like it's just the whole transition has been horrible. Hmm. Even if I don't understand, I didn't, I will never understand why they can't just have two timelines. Had the continue the old EU timeline and keep doing the Disney timeline as well. I will never understand why they can't do that. And they're telling people that fans will get confused between two timelines. It's like, no, they won't. You know, they they really think their fans are stupid. They're not. You know, like anyone that reads comic books is reading about five different universes at the same time with all different timelines going on. So that's just such a stupid concept to me. You know, they really think fans are dumb. But at the end of the day, I think they just wanted to get rid of it for what they're calling a fresh start and their most successful stuff, their most popular stuff is stuff that has a lot of EU elements taken into it. So, yeah, make what you will of that. Yeah, and I have to wonder what the motivations were. Was it licensing? You know, they want to have this sort of control over all the, the characters which they've created as opposed, as opposed to characters they're referencing from other people's creations but you know there's a guy timothy's on who's i've never heard anyone say anything other than positive things about i'm sure he would have been on board for sitting down and you know consulting and being he part will. of a story group and you know you immediately you've got a huge chunk of the fan base on board and unless you completely what you do on screen completely ruins it and i don't know how you could with all the, the budget available and everything else I, I just think it's a it's it's a it's a surefire, but for whatever reason they decided no, we're going to write our own story, and not only that, we're going to let JJ kick it off, and then we're going to hand it over <laughs> to Ryan, who's who's going to write his own thing without even seeing what JJ's put on screen, and then it's going to be handed back to JJ, and in between that, we've got various directors hired and fired, and. It's been a complete mess, and it's it's. Yep. I know it's it seems as though we're being negative about this, and we are, but it's this is a complete mess, and well, it's, it's a negative situation. Yeah, it, I, it, I think it I is. think um, uh, collaboration really does work wonders. Like for example, you know, like the Legacy of the Force. Again, I'll keep referencing that. That's not just one author. You know, that's a whole editing team and a whole group of authors that told a coherent story from start to end that fits in with everything else. It's amazing what people can accomplish when they work together. It's, it's true. I mean, uh, to, to give some of the listeners a bit of an insight, so um, when I write a book, obviously I'll write it completely on my own. I'll have my story mapped out. And believe it or not, yes, I will <laughs> map out the story before I start writing it, unlike some uh, famous Star Wars writers. And <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll draft it, I'll hone it, I'll edit it. And then when I've finally got something which I think, okay, I'm happy with this, I will then what's called beta test it. So I'll run it by a group of beta readers who, a, a, a range of people, and these are not just people who are, are, are fans or, or like my work, I'll deliberately pick people who I know will be um, critical and will really challenge what I've put on paper because it's all very well getting great reviews and being told that, oh, yeah, it's fantastic. We love what you're doing. But you don't learn anything from that. You only learn from the the the, the critical uh, analysis. And actually, one of my beta readers is someone who I found from giving me a, it's like a one or two-star review on Amazon. 
Um, mm-hmm. And obviously it was a scathing review, but, but it was, she made actually one or two really great points. So I, I, I reached out to her and just said, look, you know, thank you for the review, taking the time to do that. Uh, you know, let me, I'd really love to talk more to you about it and, and you know, get into it. And she then became a, a, a beta reader. And then, you know, I get, get this opportunity to sample it with people and get their feedback and then hone it further. Now, I just have to wonder, are Disney doing anything like that? Which I'd find incredible if they're not, but you have to wonder whether they are because there's this whole huge chunk of the fan base who just feel completely alienated and lost by the product they're putting out. I think they do do it. The problem is it's just a full echo chamber. Like you, you said that you had someone that was very critical of your work and you took their criticisms and sorry, criticisms on board and, you know, like to an extent fixed what the issue was, I guess, you know, so what if, the, if everyone's just, you know, stroking each other on the back and, you know, you know, being fun and all that, yeah, everything's fantastic. Rah, 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 rah. Everyone's just going to keep going along with it. Um, I think it was Kevin Conroy, who is the best Batman to ever exist. He said that uh, in, in entertainment, it's very easy to believe that what you're doing is phenomenal. I was lucky that I had people that would come up to me and say, you can do a lot better. Yeah. And, and it, you know, it takes, um, it takes a certain kind of character to hear that and listen to it and take it on board. And it's not to say you have to agree with someone when they give an alternative opinion, but you listen to it and you consider it and you take it on board. I don't think, you know, thinking specifically of Ryan Johnson, I don't think he's willing at all to listen to any critical response to his movie and he said as much in interviews you know he, he was asked a direct question you know do you, do you see any any flaws would you've done anything differently you know and he outright just said no no yep <laughs> no issues no wow. flaws and yeah it's you know you it's uh this isn't people being um negative for the sake of being negative it's people who deeply care and want the best for star wars and yeah the kind of this whole culture within the other half of the fandom of just blocking people and muting people and just existing within your echo chamber uh, yeah it's just not good it's not healthy and it doesn't encourage the best product i don't think maybe they realize that but they are in my view actively encouraging substandard product because when you'll consume whatever is put out there without being critical at all then you are encouraging more of that substandard product. And I guess that's, that is the defining difference between the pro Disney half of the fandom and our half of the fandom. Yeah, I agree. And I'm someone that um, at the beginning, you know, I was very happy and very willing to give Disney a chance. I was reading their books, uh, watching their movies and all that. You know, I walked out of The Last Jedi. I said, I, I hate that movie. I'm trying not to swear. I swear a lot. <laughs> I, I walked out. I was like, I hate that movie. You know, I thought that was a horrible, horrible movie. But oh, well, you know, let's move on. Let's see what comes out in the next one. Maybe they can turn this ship around. I'm excited for the future. And then, you know, over the space of a year, it was, oh, you're just a man, baby. You're just a Nazi. You're just a sexist. You're just a, a racist. You're just an ist, an ism, every single one. I was like, no, I just thought the movie was bad. That's cool, right? You know, I, I was still happy to, you know, to keep reading your books, you know, and whatever else you're putting out there. It was just this one just didn't do it for me, man. But they were like, no, 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 no. You're one of the worst people to ever exist. So I was like, well, <laughs> if that's how it is, you know, you're not going to get this person's money then. 
You know, I think you've hit the nail there. And I've, I've said this a lot and I always maintain it. I don't think it was the movie on its own which caused this huge chasm within the fandom. It wasn't. It th- I think it was everything that happened afterwards. Uh, I, I th- Yeah, I agree. It was a terrible movie. I actually, I think coming out of it, and I, I tweeted this from my personal Twitter account, I actually at first view and thought it was okay because it took a little while to sink in. And then on second view, and I was like, no, this is really not okay. And <laughs> and then slowly but surely, you know, all these huge problems kind of overwhelmed me. But look, that that's just my opinion on that movie. But it was everything that happened afterwards. And yeah, you know, the, the attack on the fans and, you know, and this complete denial that the, the movie's anything less than perfect. And yeah, I, I do believe that's what uh, what caused the huge rift in the fandom. And I, I actually think if Ryan Johnson would have just acknowledged that it didn't quite do it for everyone, you know, that wasn't his intention. It, it would have took yeah. the sting out of it all, but he, he, he kind of went the other route, you know, and, and he kind of encouraged, encouraged a lot of people to, you know, to, to circle the wagons around him. I agree. I mean, could you imagine if, like, uh, early on when Chuck Wendig had, like, his his big first moment? I remember that. <laughs> could you imagine, <laughs> like, if, if when that happened, okay, if Lucasfilm stepped in and all like, what are you doing, dude? You can't do that. You know, imagine how yeah. much good rapport they would have had with the fans then. When Ryan and Ryan Johnson, like, Colin Trevow, okay, when he did the last Jurassic Park movie, which I haven't seen, I heard a lot of bad things about the movie. Oh, but within the okay. week, within one week, he was just saying, like, look, a lot of people don't like it. That's totally cool. I made the movie. I'm happy with, uh, you know, if you don't like it, I can totally understand why. I love you all. You know, I'm I'm taking your criticism in. I want to make my next one better. I'm doing this all for you. You know, he just, it was, even though people didn't like his movie, they really like him. And I, I've got friends both on YouTube and in real life that like The Last Jedi, but don't like Ryan Johnson. Well, <laughs> yeah, there we go. And, you know, another example, that's a great example, Ron Howard, in some ways, that was his response after Solo. You know, Ron Ron came in quite late in the day to to kind of take the reins on Solo and get it across the line. And, you know, yeah, it's far from perfect. But at least Ron came out afterwards and said, you know, okay, it's a shame it didn't really get the... Um, you know, the audience figures, I hoped it would, you know, we tried really hard with it, but it was, it was conciliatory, you know, it wasn't uh, antagonistic in his, in his responses. And it's, it does then, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for people to react negatively to that. Even if you don't like what's been produced, you know, you see someone who said, look, we tried our best, maybe didn't get it quite right, but, and it, it just completely diffused the situation. But for whatever reason, that is not the way, uh, Ryan Johnson and Kathleen Kennedy went about it and I think that's why we are where we are today but there's there's something I want to mention I've got a few things I want to go through with you and I'm, it's really because I know it's obviously massive Star Wars fan and you've got incredible knowledge on it but I know you're a, a big kind of pop culture guy and it goes beyond just Star Wars and you mentioned Batman just a few moments ago I just wanted to get your take on something else which ran a trailer roughly around the same time as the Rise of Skywalker and it was the Joker trailer and this is a movie which is coming out soon it's since had uh, rave reviews but again it seems to have caused a split amongst people uh, so firstly, what what do you make of the Joker? It, like I say, it came out around about the same time as Rise of Skywalker, but it, it got a lot more positive reaction to that trailer. What did you make of it? I think people are just more 
genuinely interested in a standalone Joker movie as opposed to being abused for two years by the people that are making the new movie. And apart from that, I think there's just, it's new. And I think people are just more interested in that, but the actual movie itself, I'm very excited for it. I can see a hundred ways how this movie can be amazing. I can see a hundred ways how this could be one of the worst movies ever made, (laughs) but I'm still super excited for it. I'm really interested in how they're going to go about it from what I've seen so far. I'm liking what I'm seeing. Uh, I got a lot of questions about it, but I, I'm in terms of like the the split that's happened. I think it's a little bit different with what's happening with Star Wars. Is you got people that are just looking at like me, they're just looking at this movie, going, "I want to know more. What's going on with this?" Mm. You know, Joaquin Phoenix. You know, this could be really, really cool. Let's give it a chance. And then you got other people that are just coming out like these really weird reviews. Like, if you don't like the movie, you don't like the movie, but. There's reviews going around that saying, "Oh, this movie's going to radicalize white men." You know, it's, it's, it's like what? <laughs> Isn't this? Are we talking about a movie here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some some of the, those responses were absolutely ridiculous. The I want to give a shout out because the um, the person who edits this show, Fandom Menace Girl, and she does a great job, and I'm much appreciative for that. She put out a great tweet where she tweeted the Joker trailer. I think it's still a pinned tweet on her. Twitter handle, which is at Fandom Menace Girl GRL. Um, and she made a great point. And to link it back to Star Wars in a tweet, she says, There's more character development and arc in this two minute Joker trailer than there is in five hours of Star Wars Ray. And I thought, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a great point because in that two minute Joker trailer, you see him, you know, you really get an insight to his, his character, you know, the adversity. You know, he's beaten up just in the trailer like two or three times. You know, he has the whole situation in his, his home environment and his mother and at the asylum. And there's so much in there. And it's so true. We, we get so much more of an insight into this character than we, we do from, from Ray. From now, two movies in and, and five hours of screen time. We are now months away from the release of episode nine how are you feeling going into it off the back of the force awakens which like me you said you you actually quite liked initially and then last jedi not so much where's your head at going into episode nine i have literally no interest i haven't even seen the last trailer wow you just completely checked out yeah i I don't care (laughs) if you know what i mean it's like wow you know, this could be the best Star Wars movie ever made. It's like, well, maybe don't tell your fans they're Hitler, you know. <laughs> Consider that. <laughs> you know, you, you're not the first guest I've had on I'm, I'm on the podcast who said that. And I think this is a, a huge indictment of where Star Wars is at at the moment, that you've got people who are, you know, are massive fans and who don't care. You know, apathy is apathy is even worse than what, what Ryan Johnson created at least what Ryan Johnson created, you know, got reaction and whether it was positive or negative, but it, it got a reaction. The danger you've got going into episode nine is, as you've just said, people just don't care now. And that is a real, real threat to what Disney have acquired with Star Wars. And and if you look at that on a wider basis, you know, the, the parks have uh, just launched, the Galaxy's Edge, a lot of the merch, which is sat in, in bargain uh, buckets and on shelves it's it's a worrying time I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with disney plus and again i don't know how you feel about the mandalorian i think if there's it if there's anything to be positive about for me 
even though, again, I've got my reservations. It's the Mandalorian. But what do you think of that? Have you got any positive thoughts? That's coming out in November, isn't it? With the Mandalorian, I think um, I'll wait for reviews, mm. personally. I mean, the trailer, you know, I watched the trailer on a live stream with a few people, and I was like, yeah, okay. Like, it looks like there's a lot of action and all that going on, yeah, which is cool. Uh, no idea what's going on with the story, which is the most important thing for me. But, again, you know, I just go by the track record. I'm like, well, there's got to be some weird stuff in this. But uh, it could be really good. It could be really bad. You know, everyone's like hyping it up because it's uh, John Favreau, but it's like, well, mm. take a step back and look at John Favreau. It's like, yeah, he's also, you know, he's done a lot of really good stuff, but he's also done some not so great stuff. You know, where's this going to fall in? Me personally, and I do mean just me personally, and that's the glory of the Phantom Menace is, you know, I can have my own opinion. Mm. Um, I I can fully see why people are excited for this. Two yeah. years ago, I would have been you know, jumping up my walls like Spider-Man when they showed the first picture of that. But now I'm like, I, I just want to wait for reviews that I trust from, um, I don't want to hear John Campier's review unless he says it sucks <laughs> and then I'll probably watch it. <laughs> I just want to, <laughs> I just want to wait and see what um, the, the fandom thinks of it before I watch it because I, I'm just not willing to devote my time and trust to it yet yet that can change pretty yeah. quickly and pretty easily but i'm at the stage where it's like i i'll wait i'll wait before i see it yeah and, and i think that's a a fair a fair take on it but you, you've actually stumbled upon something else which is another topic i want to get into and that's about the critics and some of the you know the, the bigger youtubers out there and this you know, this whole concept of shills, you know, I've had a lot of fun with it in the past when I've done things <laughs> called the shill awards on Twitter. And yeah, and, and we, we kind of, you know, discover who the biggest shill is. As it happens, the guy who just name checked John Campy won this year's shill awards. Uh, he, he took the, the mantle from Brian Young. But, you know, traditionally, a, a lot of people like us will will watch YouTube reviewers and some of them have amassed huge subscribers and, and make, you know, very healthy living out of doing this but it's now got to the point where you know which ones can you trust because there's certainly a case and this definitely applies within star wars that certain people will undoubtedly get privileges for giving certain opinions and that is where it becomes really questionable because you know if i if i see someone deliver a review i don't want them to be positive for the sake of being positive, as much as I don't want them to be negative for the sake of being negative, I actually just want an honest opinion. I want them to give me an honest opinion, which isn't influenced by any other factors, certainly not by the fact that if you give anything less than a positive opinion, you may lose your press privileges or your free passes to Galaxy's Edge or Star Wars Celebration and the rest of it. So, I mean, what's your take on that? How do we, as a fandom, know which critics to trust? The ones that spend their own money from their own pocket to go see a movie, to get whatever product, and then can give their own thoughts based on spending their own money, I think they're the ones to listen to. And I think that goes with anything, not just movies, you know. Um, I, I watch a lot of video game um, YouTubers that do reviews. And the ones, you know, I always 
go by the ones that actually spent their own money on the games. You know, like mm, for example, there was right. one I watched um, talking about a new game that came out, Borderlands Three, and he had to get it a few days later than everyone else because you know he, that's just how his pay schedule works from work. He didn't get no advanced copy or nothing like that, and he gave a very honest opinion of the game. I was like, yep, I believe him. How can you not be influenced by someone that's giving you something for free? You know, it's just human nature to be like, oh, well, yeah. I kind of got to say it's good then. It's like a way of saying thank you. You, you, got, you kind of got to. So I, I just tend to fool the people that spend their own money. You know, it, there are people out there, you know, that do get advanced screenings and do give advanced, uh, sorry, and do give honest views. You know, not everyone that gets that gets privileges is a total shill. That's more so just with Disney in general. But you, you kind of, once you start looking around on different videos and different personalities on YouTube, you'll very quickly find ones that you resonate with and, and, um, becomes very 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 obvious which ones are just saying it's good for the sake of being good and then you know they just expose themselves like christian harloff when they've spent oh. five long hard years being a fan <laughs> it's just so hard being a fan well he's got a point there actually <laughs> and, then, and then you know they didn't give him his galaxy's edge passes and it's like dude like <laughs> i think that's the perfect example it was like from day one everyone knew he did not like last jedi but he sat there for two years going, God, I love this movie. This movie is amazing. Yeah, you're not getting your passes, mate. Like, <laughs> you're not coming in. He spent shilling for five years and they won't even let him in the gate. So, or, you know, you could just be honest. Choice is yours, really. I, I can't name check anyone, but I've actually been in touch with people who are Disney Lucasfilm employees who have contacted me privately and shared that they do not like The Last Jedi, but they they feel as though they can't vocalize that publicly. And yeah. that's crazy. I, I, you know, I, the, the fear over expressing an opinion on a movie. And, it, you know, it takes me right back, like, say, six, seven months ago. You know, I started the whole Ruin the Man Baby account just as my way of really getting it all out there and having a bit of fun with it. You know, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not ranting. I'm not... Um, harassing anyone i am having a bit of fun with it with something which yeah and i've been a star wars fan for 40 years i, I love the thing but yeah but when people are, are actually fearful of of putting out their genuine opinion in terms of how it may affect the the livelihood the jobs that is crazy and i have to wonder i mean let's just say by some bizarre scenario let's episode nine is really good i think we can have those conversations in the fandom menace I don't think the other half of the fandom could have that. I think on the flip side, if someone within that half of the fandom said, I really didn't like episode nine, this is a problem, this is a problem, this is a problem, I think they'd find themselves shut out or hound, hounded out. Yeah, they get chewed up and spat out. Look what happened to um, John Kasdan um, yeah. when, when he stepped out of line for one second, you know, one tweet, one tweet. He stepped out of line and he got disowned real quick. So imagine what they'll do to just anyone else. Well, even Mark Hamill, you know, Mark Hamill oh. has a sense a few, you know, post a few tweets and made a few quotes and things, which, again, you can see there's a an underlying unease with certain things that went on in The Last Jedi. And he's kind of doing it with a nudge and a wink and a bit of humor. But he, I've seen some real vitriol sent his way from so-called fans on the other half of the fandom just for making some comments against certain things in in the last jedi so yeah crazy crazy world so 
Lethal, we have reached the part of the show where you're about to be introduced to the master man baby himself, Ruin Johnson. Are you ready to face Ruin and the man baby challenge? You have no idea how happy I am at the moment. <laughs> I can sense your smile across the across the oceans. It's time for the man baby challenge. Okay, so Ruin Johnson here, and it's time for another man baby challenge. And today we have a another member of the fandom menace who goes by the name of Lethal Lightning. I don't know why his parents gave him that name, but uh, anyway, just another man baby. I'm going to give you 10 questions about my perfect Star Wars movie. Now, if you get more oh, wow. of them right, then we can give you your shill badge and you can dance off into the sunset with your free pass to Galaxy's Edge. However, if you get more of them wrong, then you can go off and celebrate with your fandom menace colleagues. So the idea, Lethal, is for you to get the questions wrong rather than right. Are you ready? To face the man baby challenge. Okay, here we go. Question one. How much screen time does R2-D2 have in The Last Jedi? Is it Ooh. A, 1 minute 25 seconds, or B, 4 minutes 25 seconds? Wow. Oh, um, 4 minutes 25 seconds? You're going with 4 minutes 25 seconds. It is the wrong answer. Wow. Proven your worth as a man, baby. Yes, it's uh I only gave R2 one just over one minute of screen time because I hate the original characters so much. There we go. Okay, I'm sure you're pleased to get that wrong. So moving on to question two. Which of the following is the real Kylo Ren quote? Okay. Is it A, when I kill you, I will have killed the last Jedi? Or is it B, the resistance is in flames, the Jedi are finished? Uh, A. You're going with A. And it is the correct answer. You veered towards the side of the shills. It was, in fact, yes, when I kill you, I will have killed the last Jedi. To which Luke replies is... uh, is rather famous line. Every word you've just said is wrong or whatever the goddamn hell it was. Um, so you're one for two at the moment. Moving on to three. Which character did Amanda Lawrence play in my perfect movie? Was it A, Commander Lama Dassey, or was it B, Lieutenant Laurie de Um? Hmm. Of course, you've seen this film Many, many times you've read the supplementary novels, you've watched the director's documentary. I'm sure you know my movie Inside Out. I think it's B. You're going for B is the wrong answer. So you've bagged another wrong answer. Uh, the correct answer is A, Commander Lama Daasi, not Lieutenant Laurie Dom, although that may have been a more appropriate character name. Um, and uh, by the way, for those wondering, it was the uh, that particular female officer who announced the death of our old friend Admiral Akbar, 
Uh, the, the character we're referring to, yes. Uh, poor Akbar. He was killed and uh, not so much as given a, a decent farewell. Anyway, you didn't treat him very well, did you? No, I have no love for the original <laughs> characters. Okay, question four. Which movie is currently rated higher on IMDb? Is it A, The Last Jedi, or is it B, Revenge of the Sith? IMDb? Oh, well, they're somewhat credible, so I'm going to have to say Revenge of the Sith. You're going for Revenge of the Sith is the correct answer. You've given me the correct answer. It's rated 7.5 on IMDb, and... I'm really not very happy, but my movie is only currently at 7.1. Of course, it should be a perfect 10. It should be above Shawshank Redemption and The Godfather and all those other garbage movies. But anyway, I'll speak to Bob and Kathy about that later. Okay, moving on to five. Is Snoke... Now, I've got a series of questions here, Lethal, about the official poster for The Last Jedi. So Ooh. let's... Uh, and I'm listening to see if you're Googling things as I'm doing this. So uh, is Snoke featured on The Last Jedi official poster? Yes or no? He's not, I don't think. He's saying no. You are becoming quite a shill. You're correct. You've got it right. He is not featured. You're still just 20% man, baby. Correct. Snoke wasn't featured. He wasn't deemed worthy enough, even though he was the all-powerful villain. Uh, number six, are Porgs featured on the official poster? Uh, yes, I think they are. <laughs> a part of me thinks you're embracing what it is to be a shill here, Lethal. You're doing remarkably <laughs> well, and you're right. <laughs> they are featured. So the big bad guy was not featured, but those little dumb Porgs were indeed featured. Another question on the poster, is Yoda featured on the Last Jedi poster? Oh, surely not, no. Correct again. He is not featured on the poster, even though he's one of the most powerful Jedi. Uh, no, don't have that uh, green idiot on my poster. And then question eight, is BB-9E featured on the official poster? The nasty BB unit, the uh, the the black version of the uh, BB-8 unit, who is uh, featured as part of the First Order. Uh, so the question is: Is he featured on the poster? Uh, yes. Yes, is correct. At this point, you'll have your own segment on the Star Wars show and you'll be given free passes and maybe even a seat on the stage next to Brian Young at Star Wars Celebration. Well done. So, okay, so going in to the last two questions, you, you've only got a 20% man-baby score. Right, so number nine, who says, I've got a bad feeling about this in The Last Jedi? Is it... C-3PO, or is oh. it BB-8? It's BB-8. He does that stupid thing with the beep, beep, beep. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. You've got it right. Yes, again, I like to subvert expectations. So even though that line was in every other Star Wars movie, I gave it to a character who can only speak via beeps. So that was my little bit of subversion there. And then finally, question 10. What was Yoda's last words to Luke? Was it A, wisdom those books held, 
but knowledge is always within. Or is it B, that library contain nothing that the girl Ray does not already possess? B. You're going B. You've not had to think much about these questions. I almost think you are, you are a big fan of my movie, uh, Lethal. And you are correct. So, remarkably, you have scored 80% shill and only 20% man baby. So, I think you'll have to hand in your fandom menace card, Lethal. You are banished from our community and you now have to go and be friends with Brian Young and Adam Lance Garcia and you now have to start reading Chucky Wendig books so how do you feel about that Lethal? Uh, well I've read a lot of Chuck Wendig books already so I think I'm oh dear. Yeah, yeah yeah um look if it gets me closer to Kathleen Kennedy I'm prepared to take <laughs> I'm prepared to give one for the team I will uh, DM you Kathy's number after the show. Well done, Lethal. Well done. And now it's time for the Star Wars interview. So, Lethal, we have reached uh, almost the end of the show, and I always like to finish with a little feature we call the Star Wars interview. It is based on the James Lipton Actors Studio interview. And it's just a series of Star Wars questions just to gauge, you know, how you feel about certain things within Star Wars. So, Lethal, are you ready for your Star Wars interview? Let's do this, man, baby. Okay, here we go. Lethal Lightning, who is your favorite Star Wars character? Jason and Jaina Solo. I put them on the exact same level. And who is your least favorite character? Holdo, Admiral Holdo. (laughs) What is your favorite scene in the whole of Star Wars? We're going by the movies. I'll say Vader versus Luke Skywalker on Bespin. What is your favorite weapon, ship, or vehicle? Darth Cadus's lightsaber. Really flexing your EU muscles here. And what is your least favorite weapon, ship, or vehicle? That stupid thing that um, TR8R pulls out when he fights Finn. <laughs> yeah, the uh, I, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. I think someone's mentioned it before. Uh, yeah, it can kind of r- repel lightsabers. Yeah, that thing. Yeah. That's stupid. <laughs> What is your favorite Star Wars movie? Empire Strikes Back. And what is your least favorite movie? Oh, this is going to sound weird based on my man baby score, but Last Jedi. <laughs> Which Star Wars quote, phrase, or noise do you like best? Uh, my favorite quote, because I think it's so super emotional, is... From Jaina Solo, when she says, then die already. It's just very depressing. And what Star Wars profession would you like to attempt? I, I wouldn't mind being one of those um, toilet dancers. <laughs> I'm not meant to react to these answers, but I couldn't contain myself. Very good. I don't think we're ever going to have another answer. <laughs> Same as that one. 
And what Star Wars profession would you not like to do? I wouldn't want to be one of those frogs that Jabba the Hutt eats when he watches pod raping. <laughs> yeah, good shout. And finally, if Force Heaven exists, what would you like to hear Obi-Wan say when you become a Force ghost? All right, now, I've got a scenario in mind, okay? Oh, okay. So I get up to Force Heaven, right? The gates open. Obi-Wan Kenobi comes out to greet me, but he's wearing his hood, so I can't quite tell who it is. He leads me into the gates of the Force Heaven. He pulls down his hood, looks at me and says, hello there. I say, oh my God, it's Obi-Wan. I must be in Force Heaven. I look around and I notice it's really, really empty. So I look at him and I say, hey, you know, there's there's not much here. What, what do we have to do to pass the time? And he gives me this really sinister look and he says, myself, the boy, two droids and no questions asked. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, I was getting all emotional for a moment. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that is your Star Wars interview. And Lethal, you've been an absolutely awesome guest, as I knew you would be. Your knowledge is fantastic on Star Wars and you've got a great humorous slant on it as well. Everyone needs to go check out Lethal on Twitter and YouTube, and I'll let you give the handles for that. Uh, on Twitter, it's just Lethal Lightning without the G because I ran out of letters. <laughs> um, and my YouTube channel is the same, Lethal Lightning. I talk about whatever's happening in pop culture, you know, the good and the bad, um, theories, rumors, news um, from Star Wars, DC Comics, Marvel, Gundam, anime, movies video games, you know, anything that's nerd-related, I like to talk about. And I really encourage other people to get involved in the conversations. I do a weekly live stream called The Lethal Lightning Show where I get – I just pick random people sometimes to come on the show. We go through what's happened throughout the week, and sometimes I get maggoted drunk. Sometimes I get really abusive. You know, everyone just yells at me and calls me an idiot. It, it's a good it's a good time. You know, everyone should get involved. All opinions are welcome. Unless you're a hardcore soy consumer. Apart from that, you can disagree <laughs> with me all day. It's all good. Perfect. And uh, yeah, I would encourage you. Um, lethal is always so entertaining. You know, I'm sure you get that from from this podcast. Absolutely. You know, I have I have I have Go one on. request. I have one request, Rowan. Go for now, it. Now, you were featured in an amazing hit single called "Luke Would Never Say That." And ah. At the end, you have a line that I do like to quote from time to time on Twitter. And I was wondering if you could please do the quote where you say, Ruin Johnson, come on at booyaka. <laughs> yeah, this was, <laughs> this was a video I was asked to do. It's um, it's by one of your fandom collective guys, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And he asked, he just asked for a little short audio clip or a, a few clips. And um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it takes a unique slant with the Ruin accent, but... Uh, this is a Ruin Johnson coming at you, Booyaka! How was that, my friend? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. It. Lethal, it's been a pleasure, my man. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me, man, baby. <laughs>